Well, good morning, church family. Uh, what a joy to be together in the house of the Lord. Uh, my name is Kale, and uh, I'm the Connections pastor here. And uh, normally, I'm up here every now and then just for a few minutes to give some quick announcements. Uh, but this morning, you're going to have to put up with me a whole lot longer um, because I have the joy and privilege of uh, bringing us the word this morning. And so I'm really excited for what the Lord has in store. Uh, but before we dive into it all together, uh, I just want to take a minute to introduce you to some really special people in my life. This is my family. I know. We are really good looking. Um, that's my wife, Allie, there. Uh, she's up here on the front row as well. Um, we've been married for seven years, um, closely coming up on eight. Um, up in September 6th, coming up in a few weeks. And uh, I love that woman. Um, her love for Jesus, I can't look at her or else I'll cry. This always happens. I'm gonna talk over here. Her love for Jesus over the past eight years of marriage through ups and downs and dealing with my chaotic self um, has provoked me to love Jesus more. And I'm so thankful for her. And my family, uh, my kids, <laughs> man, I cry when I look at them too. <laughs> this is gonna be hard. Um, my oldest is Lydia, and um, she is seven, and um, she's, no, she's six. Yeah, she looked at me like, no, I'm not, what are you talking about? <laughs> she's six and already really smart. She's gonna be in first grade this fall. Um, which is crazy too. Do I, I know a lot of people may be gone for kids camp, but do I have any like young parents in the room? Any like young families in the room? Okay, I don't know about you, but I still, like I don't, I'm gonna be 32 this year. I still feel like I'm like 20. Does anyone else feel that way? Like I just feel like a big, like hairy kid who has kids. <laughs> I don't feel responsible for like life, you know? Um, but uh, I'm so thankful for them and she's gonna be in first grade, super excited about that. And then Judah, uh, with a big grin on his face, probably right after this photo, got into some trouble. Um, he's our youngest, and he is four, and um, he'll be in preschool this fall as well. So lots of changes coming up for my family. And um, I just, I love them dearly. I love my family. So blessed by them. And I want to take a minute, too, just to talk about another family that I love and that I'm deeply blessed by, and that's you guys. Um, I love this church family. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like up here and I'm trying to like get some points with the other pastors. Like I, I genuinely love this community. It's changed my life. I remember the first time I came to Antioch about nine years ago. And um, back then, I, me and my wife were just dating and we we're a lot smaller of a community at the time. And and I, we had a lot of free time on our hands. We were like always just hanging out, doing something like every night, which now like makes me think um, like that's exhausting to me to do something every night. But at the time it was fun. And there was one night specifically, uh, one of the first memories of Antioch I can remember is we came to this house where a lot of people were hanging out and the pitch was, hey, we're gonna have a bonfire and a game night. And so I'm like, oh, bonfire, game night, I'm in. Like this is gonna be amazing. And so we go, I don't really know anyone other than my wife. And so I'm just kind of going, meeting people and hanging out. And there was a moment that I will never forget where I'm in the kitchen and uh, I'm talking to Josh Hill. Josh, are you in the room? Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. 
Someone go give him a hug. He, oh, I love Josh. And so he's one of the first people I remember meeting, and I'm in this kitchen. I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't, but it's marked me forever. We're, yes, <laughs> he remembers. Okay, so I'm in um, this kitchen, and we're just talking, shooting the breeze, and um, I don't remember how or what, but at some point in the conversation, I must have said something like, something that I've been struggling with, or, oh, yeah, man, I just, I really need some, you know, some help with this or whatever. And, and he goes, yeah, man, can I pray for you? And I go, yeah, of course, thinking that maybe later in the week, in his own personal Devo time, he would pray for me, thinking of me, but that's not what Josh does in the kitchen on the bonfire game night. He, um, he goes, yeah, hey, so-and-so, come here, and he, and he gathers like a few people, and, <clears throat> and he prays for me in the kitchen. He's like, hey, this is what Kale's going through, Let, let's pray for him. They lay hands on me, and they pray for me, which like... For me at the time was like, what is going on? Like, this was supposed to be a game night, okay? This is not like a worship night. This is not even a church function, okay? This isn't like young adult night, bonfire thing. This is just normal life. It was like a Tuesday. <clears throat> and we're in the kitchen and I'm being prayed for. And, and I know that maybe for some of us, we've had experiences like that. But for me, it marked me forever because for the first time in my life, Really, I saw people with a love for Jesus that went way beyond this room that we're in this morning. And it showed up just in normal life. And a people who didn't just mean well and go, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, and then turn and forget like I do all the time, but who actually paused for a moment and went, no, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for you now. And I saw Jesus lived and, and loved by so many people in this community and it changed me forever. And a lot's changed since then. I don't know a lot of you. We have a bigger building. There's fancy lights, and I'm on a stage. We didn't have a stage for a long time. And, um, but that's still who we are at our core. I love what Andy shared earlier. Like, at our core DNA, we're, we're family, the family of God. And we're people with a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And that goes way beyond just this hour and a half, 45 minutes here on a Sunday. It shows up in school. It shows up in dorm rooms. It shows up with our neighbors and our friends and our family. It shows up in life. And this community is still changing my life and marking me. And so thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your yes to Jesus, for the ways that you're pressing into him and leaning into him because it, it blesses me and others as well. And then I lastly just want to take one more minute just to thank and honor our leaders. Do you guys know that we have amazing leadership in this church? Yeah. And I think about this room that we're in, and I wonder if, I know some of, of you all because we walk so close, but... I wonder if any of this was like ever what you even dreamed or imagined. And I'm just thankful that you said yes. I'm thankful that you said yes to him and you chose to move across the country to, to build a community here that's changed so many lives. And I'm so thankful and I'm so honored. Travis and Joy watching from home, still on sabbatical. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell him when he gets back. But I'm just thankful 
And I know this is like a long intro thing, but I just, I couldn't be up here this morning and not tell you that I love you and look my leaders in the face and say, I'm so thankful for a leadership who chooses to love God, who's not just in the business of like building another church on the corner. You know that, right? That's not why we're here. There's a lot of churches in the valley and we might not even be the best one, but we are a people who will be with a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And we will love well, and we will pursue the presence of God as long as we have breath in our lungs. Amen? Yes. Don't let your hands get tired. All right, so we've been in a series the past few weeks in the book of John called Life in His Name. And we named this series that because that's what John himself says in John chapter 31, the, the reason for writing this whole book. He says this, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so that's been our prayer for us throughout this whole summer series has been that as we explore and, and, and unpack the truths found in each chapter, that the glory of Jesus would be on display. And that as we see him, as we see him new and fresh, that our, our lives would be once again left undone with the reality that he is good. And that we find life in his name alone, more than anything else on this earth. And so this morning we're coming to an end or close to an end because we're going to be in John 18. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or flip there in your phones. And you may not recognize it by the reference, but you know this story. You've heard it probably once or twice. It's the account of Jesus's arrest in the garden and Peter's denial of him. And so we're going to dive into it this morning, but... Before we do, I want us to look real quickly at another piece of scripture that the Lord's really been stirring in my heart this week. It's Hebrews 4. And as I've been preparing this, this message and just asking God, what do, you, what do you have for us this morning and seeking him? It's, it's like I've had one hand in John 18, where we're at, and then this other hand in Hebrews 4. And anytime I tried to like take my hand out of Hebrews, because I'm like, we're in John, like Jesus, this is, this is the series we're in. He just couldn't, I couldn't do it. And so as I've been praying more and more, I just felt like the Lord this morning wanted to use this verse to posture ourselves correctly before him and his word today. So I think it's gonna come up on the screen. It's Hebrews 4, 12, it's this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And again, I, I wanted to use this verse just real quickly to posture ourselves before the Lord and his word this morning because the way that we choose to posture ourselves before something matters, okay? If I had a ball and I threw it, if you didn't posture yourself to catch it, it would hit you in the face, okay? And I would never be up here speaking again because they would not allow me to. 
But we have to posture ourselves correctly to be able to receive. And as we open up the word of God today, as we come into another Sunday, I just need to ask us this morning, are we ready to receive from his word? Don't assume even that your own heart is ready. Are you ready, are you postured to receive from this word, from the Lord this morning? Because if you're not, then all you're gonna get for the next 30, 40 minutes is a lot of scripture hitting your face. And it's gonna hit right here in your head, but it's not gonna get deep into your heart where it needs to be. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a sword that pierces and cuts at our very souls. But I think sometimes we approach the word of God or we, we use the word of God less like a sword and more like a butter knife. Because the whole piercing the heart thing feels like, oh, that's hard. I don't want to come down on a Sunday and be pierced this morning. And so instead of a sword, we kind of just pick up the word of God and kind of just spread some scripture around our lives, you know? Kind of a little add some flavor over here. I, you know, I really like this verse. I like what Jesus says right here about, about him being all powerful. I like that, so I'm going to use that. Or, hey, I like what Jesus says over here that, that I'm, I'm meant to have, uh, meant to prosper and, and have life in his name. Yeah, I, I need some life in his name. So we do that. We, we do this. We, we, we spread some word of God around our lives and mix it in to kind of make us feel better and make us feel comfortable. And the Lord's been challenging me this week that every time I open up the word of God, that the word of God is not actively concerned with making me feel good or comfortable. Anyone feeling pierced a little bit? The word of God is not actively concerned with making you feel good or comfortable. It's not. Second Timothy says it this way. He, he says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. This is what is meant to be the activity of the word of God in your life. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And so to posture ourselves before his word today, I just want to ask us, will we let it do that to us this morning? Will we let it? Not just more stuff bouncing off our heads, but postured before the Lord going, God, if, you're, if you say your word is like a sword, then then." Point it right towards my heart because you alone have the words of life and, and my heart is deceitfully wicked. I can't even, I, I'm this, this way one day and this way the other. And so God, I need your spirit, your word to, to cut away the things in my heart that are more of my flesh and not of you. And his word can change and transform us this morning. So I wanna pray. I know this is a really long intro. We're gonna get to John 18, I promise. I promise, but I want us to pray. And can I challenge us this morning? Is that okay? Can we stand up? If we're gonna posture ourselves correctly, then there's gotta be some movement, right? And so I want us just to put our hands on our hearts. And this is a big deal this morning, not because I'm up here talking to you, but because God is here and he wants to speak to you. He's got words of life that he wants to give you. You're facing problems this morning that are too, too much for you to comprehend, but he knows. 
And he wants to heal us and set us free if only we would posture ourselves rightly to receive from him this morning. So with your hand on your heart, I'm gonna pray for us, but you, in your own heart, I want you to agree with me and I want you to speak to Jesus, maybe under your breath or out loud or in your heart, just speak to him and tell him that you're open and available this morning. Pray with me. Jesus, your word is a sword. Let us not be too afraid or comfortable to let it pierce us this morning. You don't do it to harm us. You do it to heal us. You do it to bring life. And we are in desperate need of the life that can only be found in your name this morning. So God, I don't, I don't want just another sermon to bounce off my head. We don't want that here this morning. We want your words to cut and pierce deep in our hearts, to change and transform what only you can do. Would every word you speak in this place fall on a heart that is open and ready to receive whatever it is you have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. John 18, you guys there? If you haven't by now, you've had a lot of time to, to get there. You should be there. Okay, so here we are in John 18, and um, I want to break apart this passage today into like three smaller sections, okay? Something you need to know about me is I, uh, I can't eat a lot of food in like one setting, okay? I may, you know, I know you're probably surprised by that because <laughs> I'm so slim and slender. But I can't sit down and I can't eat, like if I had, if you sat three pizzas in front of me, I cannot eat those three pizzas right then and there. But if you gave me a slice of pizza, like every 10 minutes throughout the day, I could nonstop eat pizza, okay? I can't handle a lot at once, but chunk by chunk, I can become chunk. Oh man, okay, we gotta focus, focus. Okay, and so instead of looking at the whole chapter this morning, I want us to break apart in three different sections. And in each section, I simply just wanna do this, okay? I wanna, I wanna highlight one simple truth that we can grab and lay hold of and apply to our lives. Remember, the sword, okay, not a butter knife. We're not, we're not here to get buttered up this morning by the word of God. We're here to let the word of God accomplish what it's purpose to do in us, the activity of his word that would have full effect in our lives. And so we're gonna look at some points, we're gonna look at some truth, but we're not just gonna write it in our notes and forget about it. We're gonna go, God, would it cut deep in me? Would you do something that only you can do this morning? Okay, are you ready? Okay, let's read in John 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus, Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons." Let's pause for a moment. So Jesus is in the garden. It's the garden of Gethsemane. He's in the garden and he's there praying with his disciples. And it says Judas shows up on the scene and he's brought some friends with him. It's a group of soldiers and Roman officials. And as I was studying this, I found it a unique reality that the group is actually closer to the number of 500 and 1,000 men. 
okay? That's a lot of people, okay? This is like a small army coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus not just to say hello, okay? These Roman officials, Judas, they're not just passing through the garden and like, oh, it's Jesus. You know, hey, Jesus, nice to see you. No, they are there on a mission, and that mission is to stand in opposition to Jesus and arrest him violently and aggressively if needed. Lanterns, torches, and weapons in hand. So they're coming to arrest Jesus, and then picking up again in verse four, it says this, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And so at first glance, it may seem really simple here. There's a com- Jesus comes out, he has this conversation, but, but there's actually something really profound that's going on here that I want us to see. Jesus' words, I am he, or ego eimi in the Greek, are the Greek translation of the Hebrew personal name of God. The name that God first revealed to Moses back in Exodus chapter three from a burning bush. When, when Moses is before the burning bush and, and God speaks to him and says, hey, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground, this is the name that God uses. It's Yahweh. And so when Jesus tells them, I am he, he's not just talking to them about like his location. <laughs> he's not just like, oh yeah, you're looking for Jesus? I am he, or here am I. It's no, I am he, ego me. He's declaring to them his holy and divine character and nature as God. Yahweh. And the scripture tells us that it's such a powerful declaration that when Jesus said this, they drew back and fell to the ground. I've never caught that before. A whole army, 500 to 1,000 men, even if it was 100 men, this would still be crazy. Jesus knocks down a whole army off of their feet just because of his name. And this is the first thing I want us to see from the passage this morning, and it's this, that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. We've been talking about the discipleship school this morning. Anyone going to sign up? Yeah, oh yeah, okay. Um, We've been talking about the discipleship school this morning, and um, me and my wife did the school a a while ago, a long time ago, and... um, it was such a powerful experience for us, and I, had, um, I was a church kid growing up. I, church, was, all that stuff was normal to me, but like a discipleship school, I was like, what is that? Like, do I get credits for this? Or like, what is this? Um, I just didn't have an understanding for it, but the discipleship school totally changed my whole perspective of, of what it means to follow Jesus and walk with him. And so if you're thinking about doing it this morning, I just really want to challenge you to go to the Lord and pray and ask him what that could look like for you. But for our discipleship school year, at the end of the school year, we went overseas for like three to four weeks um, to Southeast Asia. And Andy was my director at the time. Yeah, teacher Andy, we love him. Um, Andy was our director. And so we go over to Southeast Asia and I had never been overseas before. Um, I like have gone to California, but that's like it. So I'm like pretty boxed in. So the 18-hour drive, the 18-hour flight to Southeast Asia was a little much for me, Um, but we landed there, we made it, and I'm like, wow, people live on the other side of the world. Um, (laughs) 
and they don't look like me, you know? And so we're over there. It's been, it's been a great trip. And there was one night specifically that um, we go to this restaurant and the owners of this restaurant had invited us to come over and say, hey, why don't you come over and, and eat at our restaurant, have dinner. And then afterwards, before you leave, can you just take a few minutes to pray over our restaurant? And they had said that they were believers and, and said that the area that the restaurant was in, um, there was a lot of people who practiced dark magic and witchcraft. And, and so the, these, these restaurant owners were like, hey, you guys are here. You love Jesus. Can you come and eat? And then, and then take some time just to pray over our restaurant. So I'm like, Jesus, food, sign me up. I'm in, okay? So we go and uh, we, we have a meal. And we're, it's kind of, there's a back courtyard area with kind of these like little like huts or tables around. And so we're eating back there and we finish our meal. And uh, before we leave, <clears throat> kind of rally together as a team and we say, okay, let's just take the next like five to 10 minutes. Let's just go around and prayer walk. Anyone prayer walk before? Hey, let's just go, let's go. Maybe you've done it in your neighborhood. If not, you can. You just walk around and as you walk, you just pray. And so that's what we did. Going around, walking, just, oh, Jesus, would you bless this bless this place? Would you bless the, the ownership and, and, the, and the people here? Would you, you know, anything that is, you know, the dark magic, all that stuff, we just cast all that out. And, and Jesus, we just ask that you would bless this place. And I, I was just praying normal prayers that I'd prayed just like I did back here in the States. But it didn't take long until after we started praying that there's like so commotion going on over in the corner. And two waitresses uh, or hosts had, had fallen down and they're shaking violently, okay? And I'm like, what's going on? And so we go over there and they're, and they're shaking violently and they're, they're yelling and screaming and it didn't take long for us to come to the conclusion that they, they're manifesting a demon, okay? Now listen, church kid in the United States, I'm so out of my league, okay? I've never seen anything like this before. So I'm like, God, what, what do we do? Like, did I do something? Like, did I praise of the draw? Like, what's going on? And uh, I don't have time to go into all the details of the story. The Lord did something so great and powerful. We had a chance to talk with them about Jesus later. But I share that story really just because of this. It was the first time that I ever saw the name of Jesus actually make darkness flee. I wasn't doing anything different on the other side of the world that I was here, but I, all I was doing is just praying that Jesus would bless people, but it made darkness flee. That is what your prayers do. You have to know that this morning, church. Your prayers make darkness flee. That's what happens when you call upon the name of Jesus and declare his character and his nature. Whole armies are pushed back. Darkness scatters and runs. And the world today is trying to convince us that our greatest strength and power is right here. Not me, in ourselves. Our greatest strength and power is in ourselves, our own opinions, our thoughts, our feelings. And many of you today might feel powerless and hopeless because despite your greatest efforts, you feel stuck, overwhelmed, and defeated. But I want to remind us this morning that there is power in the name of Jesus. There was power in the name of Jesus for you and that broken relationship. There is power in the name of Jesus for you and the hopelessness and pain that you're up against. There is power in the name of Jesus for you and the shame that you feel trapped and entangled in. Psalm 27 through eight says it this way, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. There is power in the name of Jesus this morning. Church, rise up and stand in it. Rise up and stand in the power that only belongs in his name. Let's keep reading. Picking up in verse seven, here's our second little chunk this morning. So he asked them again, Jesus speaking, who do you seek? I'm sure they're like, we're not going to tell you again. Like we just, we just fell down a few minutes ago. But he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And so Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. Speaking of his disciples, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Ouch. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? All right, and so here is where Peter comes onto the scene. And if you know anything about Peter, you should not be surprised by his actions here at all. Peter is bold and passionate, almost always somewhere on the line between audacious faith and just recklessness. <laughs> you guys know anyone like that? <laughs> you have friends like that where you're like, yes, but no. Um, that's, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you are one of those friends. But that's Peter. In scripture, we see Peter getting out of a boat to walk on water. That's crazy. We see him speaking out of turn, correcting and rebuking Jesus. That's Peter. And here in verse 10, we see him cutting off someone's ear. Peter is crazy. I love him. But Jesus doesn't praise Peter for his boldness here. He corrects him. And actually, in Matthew's account of this story, it goes even further to say that Jesus goes and he heals the soldier's ear. He puts his hand on the soldier's ear and he heals the man. Later on in verse 36... When Jesus is before Pilate, he says something that I believe gives us some insight into like what's going on here, what, what this is all about. It's not gonna come up on the screen, but it's John 18, 36. Jesus before Pilate says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. The second thing I want us to see this morning is exactly what Jesus says, that there is a kingdom that is not of this world. There is a kingdom that is not of this world. Jesus corrects Peter in the garden that night because his eyes and emotions were caught up in the things of man, not in the things of God. As followers of Jesus, you and I, we belong to a kingdom that is not of this world. And if we belong to a kingdom that is not of this world, then we shouldn't be thinking, talking, acting, debating, commenting, posting, scrolling, and fighting like the world. Here we see Peter responding to worldly opposition by drawing his sword in defense. He responds to worldly opposition in a worldly way. But Jesus, everyone say, but Jesus, Jesus. responds to worldly opposition in a kingdom way. And he brings healing, even to the one coming against him. 
There is a kingdom that is not of this world, and we're called to walk in that kingdom and to proclaim it and express it everywhere we go. What kingdom does your life express to those around you? What kingdom does your life express to those around you this morning? When someone comes against you, are you quick to defend like Peter? Or are you quick to rush in and heal like Jesus? A prayer of mine over the past several years has been that when people taste of my life, that they would simply just taste Jesus. When people talk to me or, or rub shoulders with me or, or when, we're, we're, you know, when we're in just the store or whatever, that they wouldn't just see like kale, that they would see Jesus and that they wouldn't from my life just get more of the world, but that they would somehow get a, a different kingdom, that they would taste heaven from my life. Church, let it be so in us. We can't fight the battles that the world faces. You and I are called to live in a different kingdom. We don't use the weapons that the world does. Let's jump back in John 18 together, picking up in verse 15. John 18, 15 through 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who made a charcoal fire, now servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Then jumping down to verse 25, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? Again, he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Here is where we see a different side of Peter. Instead of boldness, we see fear. Instead of a passion to lay down his life for Jesus at any cost, we see Peter crippled by selfishness and a resolve to protect only himself. It's almost unthinkable, unthinkable, right? Unthinkable. It's almost unthinkable and unimaginable, right? That someone like Peter with such love and passion for Jesus would turn around so quickly and deny him three times. And every time I've read this passage, I come to this point and it, I just find it easy in myself to just start pointing the finger at Peter, right? Shame, shame. Peter, how could you? How could you, Peter? I wasn't alive with Jesus. You were. You actually were with him face to face. How could you? After everything that you saw him do, he healed people and he, and he, and he helped you and, and, and he called you out. He gave you so much. And on this moment, in Jesus's darkest hour, you reject him and refuse and deny him. How could you, Peter? 
But I think if we got really honest with ourselves this morning, we'd realize that this story isn't just about Peter and his fault. It's about you. And it's about me. Because isn't Peter all of us? Isn't he all of us? Haven't we all declared our love and passion for Jesus only to turn around and choose our own selfishness and pride and foolishness? I have time and time again. Haven't we all turned our back on Jesus when things start to get inconvenient and actually cost us something? Oh yeah, it's easy to follow Jesus in here. Oh yeah, Jesus, we love you, Jesus. But out there in the world, in my, with my coworkers or at school with my friends who are coming against me, that's a whole different story. When it starts to cost us something, when it becomes inconvenient, we have a tendency to pull back. I do and you do, we all do. Brendan Manning in his famous book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, says this. When I get honest, I admit that I am a huge bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I am trusting and also suspicious. I am honest and still play games. Do you feel the sting this morning? Is the word of God piercing your heart? The last thing I want us to see today is that there is a grace that swallows up our foolishness. Praise God. Man is relentlessly foolish, but God is endlessly good. Even in the middle of our own brokenness and shame and bundle of paradoxes, the grace of God pursues us. Later on in John 21, I know it's outside of 18, but we're gonna go there. Later on in John 21, we see Peter again after Jesus has died. And he's out fishing again with his other disciples. And while they're out there on the water, Jesus shows up on the shore. And it says this in John 21, four through 12. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. They said to him, he said to them, cast the net on the, on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it out and now they were able to haul it in. Oh, so they cast it out and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. They had caught so much. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Classic Peter, right? Of course. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for when they were not far from land, but, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. There's something I really wanna 
point out here quickly um, as we move into a time of response. And it might seem silly and not a big deal, but it's this, that Jesus cooks his disciples breakfast. Anyone love breakfast? I think this is like biblical proof that Jesus's love language is breakfast, okay? You You can quote me on that, I'm going on record. Jesus cooks his disciples breakfast. And in verse nine, it says that Jesus has decided to prepare this breakfast a particular way over a charcoal fire. And what's interesting about that is if you remember back in our story in chapter 18, there was another charcoal fire. It was the charcoal fire that Peter stood around and warmed himself while he denied Jesus. And so here on the shore that day, Jesus decides to build another fire, the same kind of fire that Peter stood around while he denied him. And instead of rebuking and correcting Peter for denying him in his darkest hour, Jesus comes to Peter in his darkest hour and he serves him. He serves him breakfast. Jesus not only shows forgiveness to Peter here, he steps back into Peter's very place of shame and he redeems it. He redeems it. He swallows it up with grace. From then on, if Peter ever smelled a charcoal fire, he wouldn't have to think back and remember of his greatest failure. He could be reminded of the great grace that he encountered on the shores that day. There is a grace that swallows up our foolishness and it's here today. It's available to all of us. Would you stand with me? Members of our prayer team, you can come forward now and we're gonna move into a time of response. I just wanna close with this. When Peter is out on the boat and he hears that it's Jesus on the shore, it says that he jumped out of the boat and swam to him. Just Peter being Peter. The boat wasn't even that far from land. There was no need, he, he could have just waited a little bit, but he, no, he had to get to Jesus. And here's what I want us to see, that instead of running away from Jesus in his shame and guilt, Peter ran to him. And he found what we've been talking about throughout this whole series, life in his name. He didn't find, he didn't find Jesus mad at him, pointing his finger, no, he found, a, he found Jesus welcoming him with open arms, cooking him breakfast, saying, I still love you in your darkest hour. I have a grace that swallows up your foolishness. Oh, that we would run to Jesus this morning that we wouldn't waste another second sitting in our shame, but that we would position ourselves to meet with Jesus on the shores of grace. And so the front is open. There's members of our prayer team up here this morning, and they would love to pray for you about any of the things we've talked about this morning. Maybe you need to be reminded this morning that there is a power in the name of Jesus, and you've felt hopeless and and helpless against the opposition and the circumstances you're up against. Let these people come up and pray for you that, that you would be reminded that there's power in his name. Or maybe this morning you've been convicted that, oh God, there's there's a kingdom that is not of this world. 
and I've given myself, I've set my eyes on the things of man. But this morning that you would, you would come and say, Jesus, I wanna set my eyes again on, on, on your kingdom, on the things of God and not the world. And lastly, maybe you just need to be reminded that you have an invitation to the shores of grace this morning and that your foolishness is always swallowed up by God's goodness and love and grace. And so whatever it looks like for you this morning, if you wanna come up and, and get prayer, or maybe you just wanna come and find a place and kneel and just sit before the Lord and, and let him speak to you. But whatever it looks like, we started the service with a posture of our hearts and we're gonna end it that way this morning. Let's posture our hearts before Jesus this morning. If you need to get out of your seat, sometimes for me, I have to do something physical, okay? I have to do something outwardly to express what's going on in my heart. Maybe you just need to go out and stand in the back and just pace and just walk. That's what I do sometimes, I just walk and talk to Jesus. Whatever it looks like for you, don't stay in the boat this morning. Jump out and find Jesus. Find him this morning because he's here and he's waiting for us with open arms. Let's respond.